Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to a special episode of Armchair Cricket where we will be reviewing the World Cup so far with the cricketers New Zealand. Right? If you remember they had once already done a episode with us. We had reviewed the New Zealand team with them. So in this case they are back to help us review how the World Cup is progressing from New Zealand other team perspective. So I would like to welcome Adam from the cricketers New Zealand onto the podcast. Hello Adam. Hello Ajit. Uh, great to be joining you on uh, on the on the episode of your podcast. Thanks a lot. So it's always a pleasure hosting you guys and uh, you bring a very unique uh, Kiwi perspective and uh, also not only that so it's always nice to have you guys. So let's get into it. Um we are recording this just before the match of uh, Pakistan versus South Africa. So I think we had a couple of very memorable matches yesterday. So let's start off with the last one New Zealand versus West Indies. Did you catch this Adam? I did. It was an incredible match. I mean New Zealand lost some some early wickets and and we're in all sorts of trouble. Um, the opening partnership didn't contribute too many runs uh, yesterday. Uh, but then again, uh, Taylor and, and Williamson, you know, New Zealand's two premier one-day batsmen put a, a great partnership together and, and got us out of, out of trouble. And Williamson played a fantastic innings of 148, just showing his class, the second 100 in consecutive matches. And that middle order is so important for this New Zealand side. I mean, I think we've got to the the best batsman in one-day cricket at, man, at manipulating and managing the middle stages of, of a one-day international. They're both guys that know their games well, they're experienced, and they just know how to adapt to different situations and conditions. And I think it really showed yesterday. And then later in the innings, uh, once uh, once uh, Williamson was was out, then Nisham, DeGrom, Holmes, and Santner uh, ended up finishing off the innings really well. Um, some, some vital sixes um, in the final wash-up. 
Indeed. Well, I mean, coming back to the second half of the innings, what a heartbreak, man. I mean, Gale kept it together, but, uh, you know, later on, uh, he had Hetmeyer supporting him. But once they were gone, well, I, I, I was under the impression, you know, New Zealand were going to win this match by, I don't know, 50, 60 runs easily, right? But uh, real, real uh, good innings from uh, Brathwaite. He was really unlucky to be out. Uh, well, caught within like half a meter of the boundary by Trent Bolt. Did you see that? I did. Well, it was a it was a very good catch under pressure. It, it was an, quite an interesting innings from the West Indies. I mean, they they lost a couple of early wickets. They lost Pope and Puran really early on, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then Hitmeyer and Gale got them right back in the match. At, at one stage, you're going what six, seven, and over, and I was thinking, oh, West Indies have got this. All they need to do is knock it around, and and, and they should be fine, and and uh, you know take it deep. But in the end, uh, Hitmeyer was out to a, a great slow ball by Lockie Ferguson at a really vital time, and then Chris Scale uh, went went for the big shot, got caught on the boundary. Holder was in, nicked out, and then from there they just lost uh, regular wickets. And yeah, it was a fantastic innings by Carlos Braithwaite. I mean, we've seen him perform well in 2020 cricket before. We remember. You know, a few years ago when he hit Ben Stokes for four sixes and one over. Uh, but he hasn't really been able to establish himself in one-day cricket um, for the West Indies. And, and yesterday, he really showed that he's got the talent to succeed at the international level in the one-day game. Indeed, indeed. I mean, he showed the patience to actually play out enough overs with the tailenders, uh, especially, you know, Roach and Cottrell. And even in the end, Ocean Thomas kept him company for almost like half an hour. And, you know, it was a matter of one shot. And uh, my God, he had hit that. Uh, if it was not the biggest part of the ground, probably that was a clear six, right? He was a bit unlucky there as well. But, well, it went down that way. And also, it was nice to see, you know, at the end, I think Ross Taylor and a couple of Kiwi players commiserate with him. He was still, you know, on his haunches in the pitch. And it was nice. That picture was very nice. Uh, in terms of the, the West Indies, like, um, I was having a discussion with someone today about, about the runnings. And, like, that was so ahead of the game. All they really needed to do was, you know, knock it around for ones and twos. Um, at, at one point, I mean, I think they were, what, 130 for, for two and, and about the 22nd over. And most teams in the world cricket, you, you think, would just consolidate, knock it around, keep the scoreboard ticking over. I mean, they were well ahead of the run rate. But I think it just shows you, like, the limitations with the West Indian betting on it. They don't have another batsman outside Shea Hope that can really just knock it around. They've got all power hitters. And I think also mm-hmm. with Chris Gale and the way he plays, He's not a guy that's going to knock it around for ones and twos anymore. Obviously, he's got fitness concerns. And I think in the end of it, the limitations really shot, shone through yesterday. Uh, but I think in terms of Carlos Braithwaite, look, he, he, had, he, he played an exceptionally good innings. New Zealand's been on the receiving end of some um, interesting and, and nearly matching innings over the last couple of years. I mean, I remember Marcus Stoinis against us at Eden Park, got 146 not out. Right. When Australia yeah, was yeah. in trouble. Pereira did as well. So, you know, we, we've been into this situation before and we've actually won, we won those two matches. And it was really pleasing to see Jimmy Neesham bowl well at the death. Uh, like his, his death bowling has been under scrutiny over the last few years. Um, in that game against Australia, he was plastered everywhere by Stornis, but he really held his nerve and, and he bowled, you know, some great slow ball bumpers um, and, he, and he kept the pressure on. And then obviously Braithwaite caught on the boundary. Just in regards to Braithwood as well, uh, you know, one, one thing that went through my mind was he still had an over left. I mean, could he have knocked it around in the last ball, gone for a single, and then maybe tried to hit out in the last over? Well, I mean, who was going to bowl the last over was the question for me. So, 
would uh, ken williamson have gone to matt henry given that he had given so many runs away or would colin de grandhomme had bowled the over i don't know i'm just thinking out loud here it's just a possibility but um, yeah it was going to be an interesting concept what you say is also relevant i think he saw his chance he just saw that this was the shot that could finish the game off right yeah and for him it was always going to be one shot to finish the game whether he took a single and then did it in the next over or in this over it was that's yeah. how it was going to be but you know probably all these small things didn't really enter his head maybe when you play on the other side of the pitch you are actually facing the shorter boundary and you have a good chance you know but yeah i mean it was almost there man i mean it it was a real hard break for me at least and um, you know this is the second match where new zealand got out of jam thanks to mr kane williamson how how does this guy play the way he does you know we were looking at the other innings against south africa he had 72 dot balls in his 100 I mean that's that's unbelievable but that was what was required in that pitch and he did yeah. it right? absolutely my god I absolutely i mentioned earlier that he's got the ability like Ross Taylor to adapt their games to different conditions and different situations and you saw a different Kane Williamson yesterday against South Africa he was really measured he really absorbed a lot of pressure he he batted a lot slower his strike rate wasn't up, wasn't there but he but he batted to the conditions and and, and yesterday again he's only off to 30 for 12 10 overs he absorbed pressure early on but then he started to play shots and he was going at a run of ball wasn't as slow as his body parts and he hit, hit some 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 power shots as well so he's just a guy that knows his game and he's a he's a class bats, batsman um and and I think you know we're just talking about the west indies side for all the talk about power hitting being so valuable in one day cricket you still need class batsmen to hold innings together and I think that's what Ross Taylor and Kay Williamson showed yesterday indeed the only thing is uh at no point in the tournament have Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson uh, been asked to score very rapidly right i mean they have had the time to build an innings and mostly ross taylor can easily make it up so can williamson right yeah but i wonder if how they would respond in a chase of 350 for example right where they are asked to keep hitting from let's say ball 1 or uh, probably their approach would not change much but i wonder if that sort of a challenge would actually make it very difficult for them yeah I, i'm not i'm not really concerned with that because I think the pitches that New Zealand's played on the World Cup so far haven't been really batting friendly decks. Ironically enough, we in the first four matches, we, we won the toss and were able to bowl first, which which helped the RPL, our same bowlers. But the pitches that we've been batting, playing on haven't really been great batting decks. Uh, mm. A couple of seasons ago, we played England and we were two down and Ross Taylor came out and, and played a blazing knock and got 181 not out and hit the ball to all parts and I think on the occasion we were chasing around 350 or sorry 330 so you know our team should right. show that we can do this before last time we were in England in 2015 when we played a series against England we scored some big scores against England and it was a really high scoring series okay in the champions trophy in 2017 it wasn't quite like that but you know, I'm not I'm not really concerned I think as soon as we can get on good batting decks I think this batting lineup will fire so uh, you know a couple of uh, points of concern so to say uh, guptil hasn't been really performing uh, to the best of his abilities so that means the top the rest of the top order is under pressure and colin munro hasn't really done much either right any chance of henry nichols replacing colin munro do you think they seem to have a lot of faith in colin munro and what i think they they see colin munro is being that they have mccullum kind of figure at the top of the order the guy that gets on with the job that gets the innings off to a bang Uh, along with Martin Guptill, and and that allows Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor to get themselves in and establish an innings. The problem is that in the tournament so far, apart from the match 
where New Zealand were chasing that title against Sri Lanka, uh, and Collins, Munro, and Gupta all fired. They haven't set the world on fire, and, and I think that's a, it's a massive concern for New Zealand. I, I don't think there's a massive concern regarding Gupta. I think Gupta will end up getting into form. He's, he's a class player. It's shown in the 2015 World Cup. He was out of form early on in that tournament. And he scored 100 against Bangladesh. He scored, obviously, that 237 not out against West Indies in the, in the quarterfinal. You know, one of the best innings you'll see in one-day cricket. Colin Monroe is a big concern because it's not just this World Cup. It's been formed for the last couple of years. He's a makeshift opener at best. Before becoming an opener in the one-day arena for the Black Caps, he actually didn't that in the opening position in let's-say cricket. So it's kind of like a new role for him. I don't think he's really cemented himself in the in the Black Caps one-day side. Well, how about the middle order? Again, you know, Ross Taylor is doing his job, but, you know, Tom Latham doesn't really fire. And Jimmy Nisham, uh, I think he's done his bit. And Colin de Grandhome adds a bit of power there, right? And he showed it really also in the game against South Africa. But is that a concern at all? Or are we uh, feeling okay about the New Zealand middle order? You know, it's funny. Like at the moment, we're undefeated after after six matches, including the the washout against India. And there's always room for improvement. You know, Ross Taylor and Kay Williamson can't perform every every day. And at some point, one of the other batsmen will have to step up. And we think we've got to remember that Tom Latham came into the World Cup under an injury cloud, um, so he didn't get a lot of batting before the World Cup. Um, I'm sure that he'll he'll get some form soon. Uh, right. Colton Grohlheim batted extremely well against South Africa. He had an all-round great game against South Africa, picked up wickets and also scored that valuable 70 runs at, at the end. Uh, Jimmy Nishin, you're right, he's played some, some crucial little innings. He hasn't had an opportunity to have a really long bat, but he's just played some, some crucial little cameos. Uh, Mitchell Satner as well, played a good little knock against Bangladesh. So, you know, and I think for us, it's just going to be our openers that are going to have to do the job at some point. Um, mm, mm. I hope right. it'll be a game because it will be against a pretty good Pakistan attack. Indeed. Well, I mean, we sort of look at uh, New Zealand. I think the bowling is really doing okay. Matt Henry was pasted a bit all over the ground. Um, are there any concerns that if, like what happened yesterday, like one specific bowler or one specific batter getting stuck and, you know, has this big hitting capability and he will block or hit something like this, right? Because he's batting with the tail. Uh, that there's not enough variety in the slower bowling, in the spin department. Is that a concern at all? Look, uh, like, like Mitchell Santner has proven that he's a very tight and economical bowler in one-day cricket. He's not the biggest taking bowler around. He's not cool to get of. He's, he's not a Adil Rashid. He's not going to get big bags of wickets, but he can keep the pressure on. I mean, we've been down this road before, as I said, with Stornis and Pereira. I mean, sometimes you've just got to give kudos to the batsman. And in this case, Carlos Braithwaite just played a fantastic inning. The bowlers have been well. Ferguson is the second top wicket taker in the World Cup. Uh, Trent Bolt found some form yesterday getting four wicket bags. But look, as, as we know on cricket, every, every everybody has a bad day at some point. you know. And, and yesterday, unfortunately, it was Matt Henry. Uh, Henry he's bowled well in the tournament up to date. Uh, it, was a, it was a good batting deck. Chris Gale got to him a little bit. Uh, the thing with Matt Henry as well, I'll, 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 I will say, is he did look a little bit flustered once Gale got hold of him. And it even affected his all-round game. Look, he dropped that catch on the boundary as well. Off right. 
So that, that, that'd be a bit of a concern, his ability to handle pressure. But look, uh, I think so far the bowling unit's done really well. It'll be interesting to see how this bowling unit does on really flat decks. For me, that's the big question mark. In the first four matches, as I pointed out earlier, we actually got um, some, some wickets that really suited our seam bowlers. Uh, but how would they go, say, on a on a real flat deck like a, a Trent Bridge, for example? Indeed. So, uh, I think that was a very decent discussion about New Zealand as they have performed the World Cup so far. But how about looking further? So, how do you think New Zealand will fare going further in the World Cup? Do they have the capacity to go all the way, do you think? Well, I think they're in the bunch of teams that have got a great chance to win the World Cup. I mean, at this point in time, as we talk, it looks like the Black Caps will make the semi-finals. However, they still have to win the last three games to ensure that they do make the semi-finals. They've got Pakistan next, and then they've got Australia and England. I think we'll get a, a better assessment about where this Black Cap side is after we play against Australia and England. Unfortunately, the game against India was a washout, um, so we, we didn't get a chance to see the Black Caps against mm. arguably the best team in the tournament. The Black Caps did get beaten 4-1 at home by India, so we know how good India is. Uh, but, but I think this, this Black Caps side at the moment is playing with a lot of confidence, and they seem like they've got their combinations right. But yeah, look, de- de- definitely. But um, it, you know, once you get to a semi-final, it's, it's, it's a one-off game. I mean, you can go through the tournament round robin stage undefeated, yet you play one knockout game and you're out. You know, so you know, I think I think it just depends on, on which team uh, turns up on, on the day. Mm-hmm. I think you appeared a bit uh, pessimistic uh, in the preview when you said New Zealand might not make it, but it it all points to the fact that I think New Zealand will be one of the teams in the semi-finals and also might go into the finals. So I really hope you know they go ahead and crack this and maybe you know this might be the tournament they make it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess the concern for New Zealand so far is that uh, you know we've had three real tight games. One against Bangladesh, South Africa, and the West Indies. So the margin between our worst performance and our best performance is is is, is really small. Um, you look at teams like England and India; uh, they seem to be able to really perform uh, exceptionally well on, on occasions. But you know, look, look, England got beaten by Sri Lanka, which was unexpected, and then India, you know, nearly got tipped up by Afghanistan. You know, so you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, may, maybe the the close matches will, will make us match harden going into the semi-finals. Indeed. So now if you were to look at the other teams who are on forms, let's say, let's start with India because we already brought it up. So India nearly got tipped over by Afghanistan. It was a really, really tight contest. Were you able to follow this? I, I didn't watch it. Uh, I did look on Crick Info and, and I was you know surprised that Afghanistan got so close, nearly tipping over India. And I, it's funny with cricket, you know, Afghanistan were actually mauled by England, you know, a few days ago. Yeah, they come out and they play exceptionally well against a great Indian side. And it just shows you, I guess, the fortitude and also the character in the Afghanistan side. To be under that much pressure against England, you come out against India and really perform well. So it was great time for Afghanistan, you know, and, and they've had a pretty poor World Cup so far. So they played exceptionally well. In terms of the mm. Indian side, Indian, look, you just sometimes teams just have one of those days where things just don't quite click. Uh, so I wouldn't be concerned from an Indian perspective. I mean, Bumrah bowled well in the death. Shami got a hat trick, um, so that was a, a plus for them. And their bowlers all performed well. Uh, 
I think Virat Kohli so far has had a relatively quiet tournament. He hasn't got a hundred mm. yet. Mm. So from an Indian perspective, I mean, look, you have to be excited on the prospect that he's got at some point should hit form. Yeah, you're probably right. And, you know, there was a bit of a concern there. And, you know, India were going to have one bad day. For sure, they were going to have one bad day, right? So with that in mind, I think it's good that they had this one bad day or this sort of a warning sort of a match earlier on. And probably they can now make it more competitive and make sure they iron out all these stupid errors that crept into the game yesterday. It was a more sticky pitch than most people assumed, I guess, because Afghanistan did well and they had four spinners that they could use. And that brought out, I think, the stickiness of the pitch got really exacerbated when they did that. Because even people like Dhoni struggled yesterday. Jadav struggled. Everybody, Rahul struggled. Rohit Sharma was out very early. So when you look at all that, it's very clear that, you know, it was a sticky pitch. And, of course, India had some good spinners, so they were able to push it through and nearly not um, give it away. And, of course, the hat-trick at the end by Shami was really, really impressive. So he wrapped it up very, very cleverly. So... Um, I think uh, going on with the form, I think India is still one of the form teams and the teams to beat. How about England, do you think, Adam? Wow, yeah. I mean, you know, England's a funny side at the moment, aren't they? You know, like they they they, they thumped South Africa in, the, in their first match. They lose to mm. Pakistan. Then, you know, they, they uh, the next match that they played, they hammer the West Indies. Uh, yeah. Then suddenly against Sri Lanka, they get tipped up. I still think mm. they're one of the top teams. I, I I don't think they should be concerned about losing to Sri Lanka at all. I think they'll bounce back. I think it's a I think they're really missing Jason Roy at the moment. Uh, you know, Jason Roy's one of the reform batsmen in, in World One Day Cricket and I think they're really missing the services. No no disrespect right. to James Vince. I mm. think mm. Uh, the loss of Roy's been a a massive blow to them. Johnny Bairstow's had a relatively quiet World Cup. I, I was predicting he was gonna be one of the stars of the World Cup, but you know, so far he's averaging about 40 with the bat, which isn't bad. But uh, mm. you know, take out his performance against Afghanistan, he hasn't really performed the way I, I thought he would. Uh, he hasn't had those dynamic innings. And even against Afghanistan, he was pretty measured, wasn't he? I mean, right. was going like a run a ball, you know, usually he's you know, 100 off 70 and really dominating mm. um, attacks. Uh, Josh Butler a little bit as well, even though he's got 100. Uh, but yeah, if I was England, I wouldn't be cons- I wouldn't be too concerned. I mean, um, as we pointed out, you know, teams sometimes have bad days. Um, right. It happened to to England, and and every team has has a good day. And Sri Lanka did, and it was great to see Malinga bowling well again. That that young kid Fernando is an exciting player. Mm-hmm. And those things happen in cricket. I, I think from England's perspective, they've just got to put that game aside, uh, not think about it take out the positives, look at the things they need to improve and just move on. Uh, but I still expect England to be a real threat in the latest parts of the World Cup. Indeed. Well, let me point out something. You know, they have three games coming up, one against New Zealand, one against India, and one against Australia. Right? Let me just say these are the three other form teams in the tournament. And, you know, there is a banana peel possibility. I mean, I'm going to just lay it out. What if they were to not win even a single one of these games and Pakistan goes through and win all four of them, for example, of their games? How about that? Then is there a chance England might even miss out? So that would mean that England would be, what, four and five? Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. They have four now and they would stay there. So based on that, the West Indies would still have a shot, wouldn't they? And South Africa. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that's an outside an outside possibility. It'd, it'd make the... 
ended the World Cup where it exciting if England lost their last three games. I, look, I think England's good enough to, at least, to win at least one of those games. You'd think at some right. point they'd strike form. And, and also New Zealand's undefeated. Um, Australia has only lost the one game. Uh, yeah. And based on law of averages, you, you, you think that England can win one of those games. But, you know, look, if they, if they don't, well, I mean, what, what an exciting end to the World Cup. Incredible. Imagine the, imagine, the, imagine the West Indies, Pakistan, maybe Sri Lanka, all being on the same points as England. Yeah, and later on coming into it. So, I mean, just a possibility. I really don't see that coming through as well. Frankly speaking, I think England will probably beat one of India or New Zealand. And this Australia game can go either way. Because, uh, you know, with England and Australia, it can never be a simple affair. So, who knows? But let's see. I mean, uh, India will want to continue to win. They'll want to go as close to unbeaten a uh, run as possible into the semifinals and probably take it from there, right? Uh, how about Australia then? Yeah, Australia have been exceptional in the World Cup so far. I mean, David Warner and Finch have been on, on form. You know, David Warner got um, a little bit of criticism for, for batting slowly early on in the, in the tournament. But mm. look how well he's he batted against Bangladesh. Uh, yes. Extremely well. I actually stayed up and watched that innings. It was an incredible innings uh, by David Warner. Uh, smashed it around the place. At one point, I was actually thinking he was going to go on and get a double century, and then Sarkari bowled that, that slow ball bouncer, and he was caught right. at, at short third man. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that was an incredible innings. Um, Kawaja as well, batted extremely well, and then Glenn Maxwell came out and played a little blinder. So yeah, Australia, Australia played really well so far, and you think about that first game against the, the West Indies when they're, when they're in all sorts of trouble. Uh, Yoshane Thomas got them on the back foot and they, just, and they, and they were able to recover. Coulton and I played that incredible innings. And then, mm. then from there, Australia's got a lot of momentum. Mitchell Stark, again, proving he's one of the best one-day bowlers in the world on top of the wickets tally with 15 wickets along with Jofra Archer. For me, the, the concern with Australia is their support cast outside Stark and Cummins. For me, that's a massive concern for them. It's that, that first change seamer. And that's where I think they really miss someone like Josh Hazelwood or a Jai Richardson. I'm not really convinced about their spinners at the moment. I think Stoinis is a bit loose with his bowling. Batsman can really get after him. And Kultanayal, you know, he, he's he's okay, but, you know, he's he's still not picking up bags of wickets. There's always Cummins and Stark. And I think if teams can see off Cummins and Stark, they can then attack the other bowlers. And I think that's what India did against Australia. You notice that no mm-hmm. one Sharma really just saw off those two. And then it really started getting yeah. after Coulton and Stornis. And then at the end, when, when Stark and Cummins came back, they were trying to, mm. to get established batsmen out and put them under pressure. And that's when they started going for runs because they, they were trying to get that wicket-taking delivery. And, 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 and I think for, for a lot of teams, that's going to be the key, is seeing off Stark and Cummins. You're absolutely right. I mean, their support cast of bowling looks a bit suspect. The spinner, Adam Zampa, has really not done a whole lot as well. And... Glenn Maxwell has had an occasional good game uh, because he's able to also deliver 6-8 overs with the ball. But, you know, Stoinis or Glenn Maxwell, one of these two, their fourth and fifth bowlers can be really a problem for them. That's right. But, I mean, they have also won, let's say, five of their games only losing to India. And they'll need only one win from here. So, I somehow tip Australia to make the semifinals. And once they're in the knockouts, it's a different Australian team always, right? Yeah, I mean, look, they've got a, a fantastic history in one-day cricket, don't they? Uh, especially at, at World Cups. You know, they have mm, made, mm. made some finals and, and, and won the tournament on, on, on many occasions. 
I mean, when you look at this Australian side, though, I wouldn't put it up there with one of the great Australian sides either, um, which kind of says something for me. Um, I mean, even though they've got some class players, there's still a few chinks in their armour I think that teams can get to. Uh, the, the thing that's All right. positive for Australia has just been the top order. Indeed. Their top four are really solid, and uh, yeah, I think they might get them out of trouble many times, but I'm also curious against a properly solid bowling attack like in England or in India. Yeah, India, they did come up a little short. So against England in one of the upcoming games, for example, it will be an interesting also, uh, you know, uh, experiment for them to see if, you know, they can probably solidify it a bit more. But if England bat first and they get to around 330, 350, it's going to be a really good match, I think, because they'll also get to test themselves and see how how far they can stretch themselves. And maybe the middle order gets to, I don't know, chase 100 of 60 balls. Uh, it'll be an interesting challenge for the Australian team, I think. Right? Absolutely. But... Uh, now, if you were to just finish off and look at the scenarios for the semifinals, you know, uh, there has been an interesting uh, article in Crickinfo. I don't know if you saw it. There are some interesting uh, semifinal scenarios, but one of those we already discussed. If England were to not win another game or just win one of those games, they would be neck and neck with many teams. So outside of India, New Zealand, England, Australia, do you see any possibility of any other team make the semifinal at all? Well, it all, I mean, it all depends on whether those four teams that you mentioned lose matches mm. in, the, in the remaining rounds. So Pakistan's on three points, are they? West Indies are on three points. So they'd have to right. win their last three games. So that would take them mm. to the to 11. Uh, if yeah. Sri Lanka won their last three games, they would get to 12. Yeah. But then it, re- it also relies on other results. So, I mean, look at New Zealand, for example. Like, we're on 11 points or three matches to go. If we were to lose to Pakistan, England, and Australia, then we would mm. be on 11 points. But I think the advantage for New Zealand is, is our run rate. Our net run rate at the moment is very, very good. And it just kind of shows mm. you how mm. well that match was against the West Indies yesterday and also against South Africa. If we would have lost one of those matches, then we right. would have been under a little bit more pressure uh, with teams mm. under us mm. still having a chance to, to win. And then the West Indies would have been on five points. So, you know, it just shows you the matter of metres between winning a match and losing a match, isn't it? I mean, the, you're right. The Braithwaite hits a six, the West Indies win the game, and they're still in the tournament. Uh, right. So I think it's probably at the moment, when you when you realistically look at it, you would say that the top four is is, is sealed. I mean, I think from, from memory, Sri Lanka's got final three matches is actually quite tough. Um, so I wouldn't expect them to win all three games. But I think mm-hmm. Pakistan is probably the only side that could mount a bit of a challenge at the top four, but they've got to win all four games and, and hope that one of the teams in the top four loses the odd game. Right, right. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I don't see a possibility of an upset. It's going to be those four. And from here, uh, if I were to put you on the spot, who will win the tournament, Adam? Actually, I'll just, I'll just also make a note. Bangladesh are on five points. So let's not write off Bangladesh. I think, uh, you know, they could win the last three. Um, Mm-hmm. All right. So let's see if one of those four teams, you know, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, West Indies, and Pakistan can still throw their hat into the semifinals. But if it all goes to plan, if the other four teams, India, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and England, sort of seal the semifinal spots, whom do you think will win the tournament? To be honest, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I think it all depends on, on pitch conditions, who wins the toss. Uh, lots of different things. I think, like looking at the Indian side, for example, you you think that'd be the the best equipped team to win the tournament and and just about every condition. 
You think about the bowling mm. lineup. They've right. got two exceptional opening bowlers, two great spinners, and 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 a very incredible death bowler in Boomerah. So you you'd think that they'd be the team that could that would probably win it if I was gonna if I was gonna pick a favourite. I think for right. India, though, um, they've lost Darwin, and he's a massive loss. He's one of the best one-day bats in, in the world um, mm, in the mm. position. So I think they're going to really miss him. So I, I do expect Coley to hit form at some point. Like he's, He has made some good scores. I mean, he scored some runs yesterday against Afghanistan, but he hasn't really stamped his mark on the tournament yet. And, and I think that uh, with three matches remaining in the round robin, and also the semi-finals, I think it's a big chance for for to Coley to really lead this Indian side. So if I was going to pick a winner from here, I'd probably say India. I think I think New Zealand's got a great chance uh, as, as mm. well, but I guess it all depends on on the day. You know, I think any one of these teams can beat each other. I know that's sitting on the fence a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it all come. It'll, for me, it all comes down to that. I mean, are the, are the pitches going to be batting friendly come semi-final time? Will there be rain around? Um, will it be seeming? You know, if, if mm. New Zealand were to get, say, India, and the, and they and they get a green pitch and they send India in, you know, great chance for us to knock over the Indian top order and, and rip in and, and 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 win the match against India. You know, I, I think it just depends on on many different factors. All right. Well, uh, for our sakes, let's really hope it's going to be an India-New Zealand final and may the best team win. Right. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and, and New Zealand's been in the semi-final for so many occasions. In 2015, we made our first World Cup final, which was awesome. You know, hopefully this time around, the pressure won't get to our lads. You know, we, we were, we've been in semi-finals for, for so many years and, and, and just happened to lose the big games. But I think this Black mm-hmm. Cap side at the moment is playing with a, a lot of confidence. You know, we've had three right. extremely close games in the tournament. That may have made us a little bit more match-hardened. The other thing as well with, that, with the Black Cap side as well is we didn't play a lot of lead-up games coming into the World Cup, so a lot of our boys might be a little bit more fresh than some of the other teams. Uh, also, a lot of our players didn't play a lot of IPL. Uh, they played the odd game here and there. You know, they weren't the stars of the IPL playing every single match. So, again, our guys could be just a little bit more fresher. Maybe that time away from cricket will have done some of our mm. boys some good. So that's just another element. When you think about the England side, we played that one-day series against Pakistan before the tournament. You had Australia touring India and also going to the UAE to play Pakistan. So all those sides have played a lot of cricket leading into the World Cup where New Zealand didn't play as many warm-up games. I think we had a few games with us, with our second eleven against Australia. I think it was in Darwin, I think, or Northern Territory from memory. So now apart, apart from those matches and, and the warm-up matches against India and West Indies, we haven't really had a full-on schedule. So... Yeah, you know, hopefully New Zealand can take it one step further and win the World Cup this time. All right, Adam. Thanks a lot for your wonderful uh, insights and uh, also some very nice analysis that you've provided for the uh, teams in the World Cup. So uh, it has always been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Would you like to plug anything? Yeah, you, you can uh, find um, our podcast uh, on iTunes. It's Cricket Sears NZ, or you know, we're on Twitter and we follow you on Twitter. You follow me on Twitter, so you, know, you can find us through Twitter as well. A little bit right. sleep-deprived at the moment with all this cricket going on. The time zones aren't so good, but, um, yeah, yeah um, that's where you can find us on, on, on Twitter or via iTunes. All right. Thanks a lot, Adam. I hope you get a good night's sleep now. 
uh, i'll not retain you for much longer thanks a lot <laughs> bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast